Welcome to Take a Seat, a channel dedicated to fascinating lives, notable figures and historical periods that had an impact on communities and society alike. This video is the second episode in looking at those who, in one way or another, inspired the British public to hold their nerve against the devastating era of the Blitz. Today we have Sergeant Harry Daly, a London Bobby who grew a popular reputation with his colleagues, the general public and even criminals he would arrest on the beat. All the while, he was openly gay during a time of huge discrimination, along with the fact that his sexuality wouldn't be decriminalised for another 40 so years from joining the police. On the 14th of November 1901, Harry Daly was born in Lowestoft, East Sussex. His father, Joseph, was a skipper of a fishing snack, and his mother, Emily, a parlour maid. Harry was the fourth of five children and was educated at the local school. He lost his father at the age of nine, who perished at sea along with many others who were caught in the Great Gale on the 1st of October 1911. Because of this, instead of attending secondary school, he became a telegram boy to help support his family. In 1916, during the First World War, Emily was fearful of Zeppelin raids and moved the family to Dorking, Surrey, where Harry began working as a delivery boy at a local grocer's. Harry's older brother, Joseph Daly, nicknamed Joey, joined the army and served in the Machine Gunner Corps. The date of joining is unknown, but to strike another tragedy for Harry and his family, Joey died just days before the end of the war, on 7th of November 1918, where he rests in the Bussini Communal Cemetery in France. Daly would travel to London on most weekends and during his free time, where he loved visiting museums, galleries and going to the theatre, cinemas and concert halls. He also enjoyed reading, where he took to buying cheap books from second-hand shops and was an avid amateur photographer. At the age of 24, he moved to London and in March 1925, he joined the Metropolitan Police Force, beginning his training at Peel House. The now constable noted that there was a high amount of corruption in his early days of service, with officers taking bribes and unwritten policies putting pressure to arrest people and issue summons. This led to antagonising drunk people and unnecessarily using stop and searches where there was no suspicion. Harry was no honest Bobby on the beat, however, as he stated that he received backhanders, noting a specific time taking a half crown from a bookmaker through a window ledge. This would amount to £10.11 in 2023, not a huge amount, but at the time a constable would make approximately 60 shillings per week, or £233.40 in today's money, and multiple bribes were being taken. I suppose every little helps. Looking the other way was so rampant that Daly received complaints when he had a day off and his replacement wouldn't accept them. The constable remembered, however, that the backhanders and corruption decreased when Lord Hugh Trenchard was appointed commissioner in 1931. He stated, When our superior officer were known to be honest, the majority of us followed suit. Despite homosexuality being illegal at the time, Harry Daly was gay and made no attempts to conceal it, and this made him the first openly gay police officer in Britain. Harry received some homophobia in the station by colleagues, but he was a popular character and generally got on well with his fellow constables and the public. So much so, he took photographs of some of the men he arrested, usually when being escorted into the Black Mariah, and they were generally happy to have the picture taken. In the same year of joining the force, 
Towards the end of 1925, Harry Daly met dramatist J.R. Ackerley, the first time described by E.M. Forster's biographer Wendy Moffat as One Sunday morning, Ackerley went out into the river mist of Hammersmith Terrace at dawn to get the milk bottle off his stoop and came back inside with the milk bottle and a brilliant young policeman who had been walking the beat. Ackerley had written the unforgettable masterpiece that was the World War I inspired play Prisoners of War in July 1925, which passed the censorship despite homosexual overtones rooted from Ackerley's own experiences after being wounded twice and captured by the Germans in 1917. Harry was fascinated with the play and although unconfirmed, it is most likely they started a short sexual relationship together, staying as lifelong friends afterwards. Through his friendship, Daly began meeting Ackerley's wider circle, significantly E.M. Forster and Duncan Grant. Grant, a member of the Bloomsbury Group, actually painted a portrait of Harry Daly in his uniform in 1931, and if you're with me here on YouTube, you can see that portrait now. Daly and Forster started a sexual relationship which went on for seven years, but it was a tumultuous affair, as Forster, like many during the time, hid his sexuality from common knowledge, while Daly was indiscreet. Ackerley, in 1929, as a BBC radio producer, asked Harry to talk about his police service, which he did and was broadcasted on the shows Children's Hour and Wild London Sleeps. Due to Frank's stories on criminal activities, Harry would sometimes use the pseudonym Joke Daly or Harry Furman. Some broadcasted on the home service were published as articles in The Listener, which Ackerley was a literary editor for. Due to his unapologetic openness and alongside Daly's fondness with the rough crowd and those in the criminal underworld, some he had sex with, Forster and Daly would break up in 1932. In 1935, Daly was transferred to Vine Street Station in Westminster, where, for all the right reasons, he made himself unpopular once the start of World War II broke out. The wife of a local publican, Mrs. Fletcher, helps the Vine Street officers by making food for them to eat, and in return, some of the constables, including Daly, invited the Fishers to stay in the station's reinforced air raid shelter. However, Daly stated that some of the younger PCs were members of the British Union of Fascists, who even distributed anti-Jewish propaganda. Mr. and Mrs. Fletcher were Jewish, and these Blackshirt officers objected and complained, and so the Fletchers had to make use of the public air raid shelters. Harry was incensed and confronted the officers where the unpopularity began. I'm unable to confirm the date, but by 1939, Harry was promoted to sergeant, and in 1941, Daly transferred to Wandsworth Station. Nightly bombing raids were common, and Daly's duties were to respond and help where he could. These nights were all too common, and morosely, Harry stated that despite the horror, he found a perverse enjoyment in what was going on around him. From his own words, The blitz now became frightful to be often enjoyable where all available firemen and ambulances were engaged on the big disasters we managed without help as best we could. One bomb, one copper. On such a night, I stood alone in one of our neighbouring streets and saw the buildings on one side eaten up by flames. Then the wind changed. The flames leapt across and with a roar devoured the other side of the street. And nobody could deny the spectacle was enjoyable. These were not homes, but warehouses and shops. After the war, Harry was tasked in running a police recruitment centre on Beak Street. He missed being on the beat, however, and decided to retire on the 21st of May, 1950. 
Daly became a master at arms in the Navy during retirement but was diagnosed with diabetes and so in 1957 he moved back to Dorking living with his younger brother David and his partner John. Harry was described by the befriended John and Hazel Chambers as a high street loiterer as he could always be seen chatting in the street and he enjoyed listening to his collection of a whopping 7,000 records. J.R. Ackerley encouraged Harry to write his memoirs, which he did, and was hopeful they would be published in his lifetime, but sadly they weren't, and Harry Daly passed away at home on the 12th of March 1971. This small cloud, his memoirs were published posthumously in 1986, and a blue plaque nomination was considered in 2017. Unfortunately though, English Heritage felt his profile and significance was not strong enough and a new nomination cannot be made until 2027. I want to quote Stephen Bourne from his book Fighting Proud to lead out on the legacy of Sergeant Harry Daly. In the days when gay officers had to conceal their sexuality, Harry was an exception and happily engaged in unlawful acts while upholding the law. At the same time, his colleagues made fun of him as well as telling him how they acted as agents provocateurs against homosexuals. A fitting testament to Harry's popularity with the public he served came from a disgruntled member of a family of gypsy travellers who, during an altercation with two policemen, told them that all coppers were He then added as an afterthought, except Sergeant Daly. Thanks for taking a seat. Whether you're with me on YouTube or through the podcast, please consider liking and subscribing and maybe leave a comment with ideas on who you would like to hear about and what your thoughts are of the video. See description for links to sources and resources. To learn more about this topic and for more content, check out the channel where I hope to see you again very soon.